part of Double P Media, doublepmedia.com. Spoiler alert, when this podcast talks about the books of his dark materials, it does so in the context of the most recent book. And when it talks about the television show on the BBC and HBO, it does so in the context of the most recent episode. You've been warned. You're listening to The Dust, a His Dark Materials podcast. Hey there, and welcome back to The Dust podcast, where we are re-watching season one right now. We play the episode together. You get my pedestrian comments along the way as we re-watch His Dark Materials on HBO and the BBC. And however you're following along with us, I thank you very much for doing so. My name is Matt Murdick. My co-host, Holly, is quite busy still. She's going to be pretty busy all this summer. I'm going to try and work her in for one rewatch episode if possible. But that's not really the big news as we start with our second half of the season one rewatch. Our big news is actually the fact that we are now at a point where we have Funko Pops of his Dark Materials characters, several different characters. I have acquired a few, and I'm going to be giving them away, and I'll tell you how to do that shortly. But first, I want to tell you how to contact me. At The Dust Podcast on Twitter. The Dust Podcast on Twitter. You can also send emails to dustpodcast at gmail.com, or you can call and leave a voicemail by calling 314-269-0421. That's all going to be very important as we talk about this contest coming up. Don't forget that you can find everything else about this podcast that you need to know at mattsaudioblog.com. That's M-A-T-T-S audioblog.com. That's enough of the business side, except for the contest. I have a Lord Azrael Funko Pop. I have a Mrs. Coulter Funko Pop. I have a Lee Scoresby Funko Pop. I'm going to be giving all three of these away after we conclude our season one rewatch so in about four weeks that gives you plenty of time to enter here's how you enter to win one of these you must tweet me or contact me email me or leave a voicemail to me with your three-word description of one of these episodes that we are watching So anything between Season 1, Episode 5, The Lost Boy, which is what we are watching today, and Season 1, Episode 8 of this season, the season finale of His Dark Materials, a three-word description of any of those episodes will enter you into the contest. But I have to receive it either via tweet, email, or phone call. So once again, tweet at The Dust Podcast. Or you can send emails to dustpodcast at gmail.com, or you can call 314-269-0421. If you do that, then you are automatically entered into the contest. And we'll share all of these in our feedback episode, which will happen at the end of our rewatch. And a couple of days before that final feedback podcast is put out, I'll give you a more firm date in the future, but that'll be your deadline to submit anything. You can also have a chance to win by submitting a review of this podcast on Apple Podcasts. 
uh, or anywhere you choose. But if you choose somewhere else, please let me know where it was so that I can find and verify your review and include those in our feedback as well. Apple Podcasts uh, allows people to leave written reviews. Hey, if you've already left a written review, don't worry. This is something I do special for anybody who leaves a review. You're entered in all contests in the future and uh, from the past. It doesn't matter when you left a review. It could have been during our very first podcast or it could be in our most recent after our most recent one. But if you leave a review for us on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts, then you can be assured that you are entered into our contest. So submit three words or leave a review, and either one of those will get you into our contest. As I said before, we're going to be looking at The Lost Boy, which is the fifth episode of season one. And uh, if you're re-watching with us, then you know what this episode's all about. But we're going to watch it together. And this episode was directed by Otto Bathurst and William McGregor. And uh, Jack Thorne was your scriptwriter. If you're watching like I am on HBO Max, you'll want to be starting at the one minute, eight second mark. It's the black screen right before the main action starts. You want to get past all of the previews, past all of the logos and that kind of thing. Uh, however you're watching this, but I watch it on HBO Max. And so I can definitely tell you that the timestamp is 108 is where we'll be starting. You're going to need a second to set up. So I'll give that second to you right now. So, I'm assuming you're all set up, ready to go. Once again, if you're on HBO Max, we're at about the one minute, eight second mark. That's where we'll be starting. It's the black screen right before the main episode starts, after all of that uh, pre-stuff pre happens. So, here we go. I'm going to count us down. Three, two, one, play. Love this landscape. I'm not sure where they shot it, how much of it's just aerial stitched together or if it's computer generated or whatever, but it's beautiful. And of course, it's all coming from Kaiser's perspective away. In a way, it's coming from the air. And Kaiser's starting to give the big prophecy. Destined to bring the end of destiny. What could that possibly mean? And she can't be told what she's going to do. And this is our introduction to Will here as he's walking along the... Cutting back and forth in between them. I think book readers could really appreciate the fact that TV needed to bring Will's story forward and run it concurrently with what's going on with Lyra because with a book, you have all the time in the world to give backstory if you need to. But with television, it would have been really awkward to just introduce Will in season two. Lee and Lyra are always funny. 
So he just referenced Kaiser. I, I love that Lee changes his story here because he can't, you know, because of the look on her face, she wants him to say yes, so he says yes. <laughs> I love how direct Lyra is with him. They seem to have some fun together. There's a little bit of Lyra's playful theme there, just a little snippet of it right there at the end. There's the eyes of our favorite cop and of course Boreal sitting there with him and Will's mom you don't even really know that that guy's a cop I guess until a little bit later on in the season, right? Or series, whichever you wish to call it. There's a little bit of Boreal's theme playing right there. And into the credits. One of the things that I never got really about the prophecy, at least as it's been related in the television, is it's, it's very... <laughs> open-ended it could be anything that lyra does oh she dropped this daisy oh she didn't know that she was going to drop this daisy so that changes everything of course if you've read the books and you know what it's all about then you also have to wonder why is it that her doing it is important because it's not like it's something that doesn't get done by just about everybody. But more on that when we get to season three. Mountains. Da -da, da -da, da -da. I've already commented so much on the credits and on the music of it and uh, Chloe and Eliana did such a great job talking about the the visuals of it the last podcast that yeah didn't seem it's, I know it's a lot of silence sorry See, this is the whole reason why John Faw's even interested in her, I guess, is because Father Coram convinced her that her ability to use the alethiometer here can help them get the kids back, which it can, obviously. Like she's given all of the intel to him right here.
the the whole idea you know the angels communicated with Lyra through or through with Mary through the I Ching and you have to assume that they're communicating with Lyra through the alethiometer A ghost, a ghost, a ghost. A metaphoric ghost, but a ghost. <laughs> Fartercorms. <laughs> How I know that sounds, dude, Fartercorm, that's got to sound ridiculous. Fartercorum uh, isn't seeing the bigger picture, really, you know. Um, not that he doesn't want to support her, but he's just, you know, there there are bigger interests in his mind than what he thinks is just a fool's errand. Lauren Balfe really likes to use those kind of uh, against the meter type riffs, sevens and fives and nines and stuff against four four, which creates a little bit of tension. Now, Ma Costa, on the other hand. She tends to help Lyra reason it out a little better, I guess. If she's thinking about her own kids, though, you'd think that she'd want Lyra to stay as well. But I like how she's more open-minded about it. Acosta is asking all the right questions. Unfortunately, as we all know, um, she's going to get some unpleasant answers to those once Lyra gets back. Acosta needs to think. needs to get a break. 
poor kid. Dad's been missing. His mom's under a great deal of stress. And suffering in her own way. Speaking of which, here she is, coming out again. Why did she feel the need to leave, though? She's got her coat on. Where was she headed? And why? I can't remember. Someone shout out at me right now. I mean, I know she's going to run into Boreal here, but I can't remember what she was thinking as to where she was going. There you go. He's introducing himself as the name that he uses in this world all the time. Now he's built up a whole industry. Here, somehow. There's a lot about Will's mom that I still don't quite understand how she fits in the story. I understand that she is the motivation for Will to do whatever he's going to do. But I feel like there's more backstory to her than... we've been given. And yet at the same time, in season two... John Perry was Jean Perry, if you want to call him that. He, he seemed to indicate that he just crossed over once and could never get back. But some of the letters feel like they allude to something else. Maybe just red herring. I'm not sure how good of a boxer Will really is. One of the things about Will in the books is he's made out to be this fighter. And in fact, even in season two, I mean, Lyra calls him a killer. But he's not really doing all that great here, is he? He's not uh, doing much in the way of winning this boxing match. And there's mom.
I do like that coach, though. You can see that she's fairly safe um, with him in season two. Or at least he feels comfortable with leaving her with him, which is a little bit different from the books, but I, I felt like it was a good match. Do you hear that little hint of the main theme in there? Because Will is part of the big mission. That was what was in those bell tones. I do like that Will does such a good job of taking care of her. I know that uh, Will's trying to keep the authorities out of it because he doesn't want to be separated from her. Her coach does make good sense here. I suppose it's this conversation, well, and any pre-established relationship that we weren't disposed, you know, we weren't exposed to. I guess that's what makes it will trust him to leave his mother with. Kaiser. There you go, Kaiser. Just told you uh, what they're going to be doing in season two. So, not only is Coulter manipulating Yofer, but it seems like her dad is too. They're both good at manipulating bears. They all have it, it's it's in the family relationship with the bears. Well, he's going to meet his old his old woman. He's going to meet uh, his uh, witch lover. That's what he's doing. Here's Sofanax. And our introduction to Serafina. 
who hasn't aged today. That's what he just said. Oh, that was very kind of her to say. Here's a question about the witches. They have demons like humans. They go through this process that we learned of in season two that Lancilius told us about where they separate from their demons. But what explains living 300 years? What are they? They're not human. If they can live 300 years, obviously. So what are they? can send an email to dustpodcast at gmail.com or you can tweet to at the dust podcast on twitter tell me how i am so blind of these things that i don't know you know given their past with the kid and losing their child um, I can imagine why Farter Quorum would be so committed to making sure that nobody else loses their child, go through the same pain that he went through. Hmm. And you have one side of it where it's Azrael. It, the Egyptians feel like Azrael is not putting his interest where it should be, but Seraphina seeing the bigger picture. And naturally, if there isn't this whole thing about other worlds, do Will and Lyra ever meet? If Lyra doesn't go to Chittagatse also, Never see any of those witches till season two, but then they do have some discussions. Okay, Fartacorum, you got a kiss, but she didn't give you cloud pine. She like she did with Lee. We see some of that division that she just talked about in season two once again. So that's kind of strange as far as Father Coram goes. I mean, when he told Lyra the story, he was talking about how she was so angry and he's, I mean, yeah, that's emotional, but that emotion that he's got there seems to be much more about his, their, their son or their baby than anything else. Um, 
So has he been holding that in the whole time? Did he just let it go right then? And she, of course, was so angry. Maybe she got a lot of that out of her when she went off and did whatever it is that she did that Father Coram told Lyra about. Ah, the real beginning. I mean, they've kind of forged a little bit of a relationship in Trollison, but I feel like this is what um, helps him, helps her get to know better what a, what a bear's life is all about. And it's a big turnaround from Fa, where he's like, you know, tell me what I'm up against. I need you around the whole time. Father Coram. There's Egyptian theme. One minute they're in grassy fields, the next minute they're in icy areas. I love that York says, I'm not a horse. Lee scores being sensible. Here's a big presentation of Lyra's lighter theme, her playful theme, the one that started with Roger in the first. There it comes. First moments that we meet her in the series has this music underneath it. I hate to admit it, but that shot wasn't as bad as I remembered it being. Um, Still uh, just a little bit wonky, but not bad. Will's got his own cat. Once again, Will's taking care of his mom.
talking about dad. You don't meet him till season two, and then seems like he just got there, and then he gets killed. Now this is weird. Follow him, take up his mantle. I'm like, well, what does that mean? I mean, it it guess it's just metaphor. But it feels like forced foreshadowing. That's a double F. Forced foreshadowing. And as soon as I realize that, then all of a sudden we got to throw in something else. Now, I understand that she would want to go to the letters because that's a source of comfort for her. But why the heck does Boreal think that he's going to get anything from the letters? Unless there's something in there. In which case, how could there be something in there if John Perry was already gone, went across, and couldn't come back? That's where I feel like the TV show failed. It kind of set something up that it never really paid off. have to keep him safe see that the, it all implies that these letters are about what john discovered in crossing but i'm pretty sure that in season two they said that once he crossed he couldn't find his way back or maybe he couldn't eventually find his way back i'll have to rewatch season two now It's a pretty emotional episode. I'm glad that we have a few moments like this that lighten things up. Not necessarily comedy, but at least lighten things up. She's kind of forcing herself on York in ways. He's like, uh, he's being very tolerant. We're going to get into some of York's backstory here.
What rules did you break? Yes. Good question, Lyra. Yeah, daddy's in trouble. And yet... Yeah, Lyra's got the right of it, though. He will find his way out. He'll convince him that he needs to do his research, and Yorfer will just let him go. Maybe you can't trick most bears. That was Lyra's prophecy theme going on there. I do like that kind of development of their relationship. I don't understand why the letters are so important. They've never been brought, they weren't brought up when his dad, when he finally met his dad. They weren't brought up by his dad any time in season two. All Will did was read a few of them. And now she's changed her mind to let him read them. might need them for what comes the village that's a lot of traveling that they did I'm gonna go down a long ways to get there
It's just creepy stuff, I guess. Especially if you're a kid. I don't know. Once you get to the end of the result, though. Don't get me wrong. I, I do feel terrible. For Makasta and Billy and Tony and all of them, but. I, I guess if you'd never seen a child that had been separated before, it would be horrific. But the whole approaching of it, the ghost metaphor, all of that. Feels a little over dramatic, maybe. Send your hate mail to dustpodcast at gmail.com. Look at Pan cowering behind Lyra there. Now how... How can the bear sense that? But she has to act brave because she has to impress York, I guess. But they're all sensing what's beyond the door before it. they see it. I didn't, I don't get that part. I mean, maybe Pan could sense it. Maybe. You don't understand how York can. Then again, I don't understand how York can talk either. So, eh, you know, just accept it, Matt. Shut up and accept it, right? An awful lot of tension build for a little boy. Oh, and he's counting the same way that they count their Now, if you were from a place where everybody had a demon, having no demon would be horrifying. I just don't get why everybody was horrified before they came in the door. Now, yes, Pan, you should be scared. Now, why were you 10 minutes ago before the door opened? The one thing that I love is that, and the bravest thing that Lyra does is, of course, that she reaches out to Billy despite the fact that what's going on with him is so unnatural. And they really made good time to get back, didn't they? I mean, it could have been a day or so, I guess, but.
Now, this is sad. And, you know, all the demons are going crazy. Okay, so the demons evidently can sense the fact that there's no demon there. All the demons are going crazy. I had to put a lot of that in the dialogue, too. You know why they have to put it, where's Ratter, where's his demon? Because they don't do enough time showing everybody's demons to where you would notice that his demon was missing unless somebody said it five times. Like a ghost. There you go. I love how Lee just jumps to the assumption that that's what happened. But, you know, it is true. Yeah, I guess Lee's observation about York there is you could feel like was even paid off in the last episode when he kind of kicked Lee out because he was all in his feels about losing his armor and wouldn't really talk to Lee much then. This is one of the saddest scenes in the whole series. So far, anyway. I can't even imagine being a parent. I mean, I've never been a parent. Full disclosure. Um, I'm not a parent. I can't imagine having to let go of your child. I mean, it's it, so many things, uh, which I guess is why this is reading that is horrific, uh, just as horrific for parents as it is for kids, is the idea of your children being taken, and you have no idea whether they're okay or not. And then an idea like this, where your child has been damaged, and you won't be able to see them much longer.
That sucks. Um, Egyptian theme there. Slight reharmonization there. Also, trying to just get my head out of how tough that was uh, to watch. All right, so we're back to Will now. Um, I mean, this was a really strange introduction to the mother with so many things that now when you look at it from season two perspective, I don't really know that they pay off. And, of course, she's going to see that that same car is still there, I guess. And that she's being watched. Doing the counting thing again. Lots of things about counting. The kids, when they're separated from their demons, count. She's doing some kind of counting. Now, how did he plan for that? What am I not getting out of season two? Because it all seems like for season two, it was just accidental. And he would have never had the forethought for this. Although, you know, going on an expedition, even in this world, I would suppose he would possibly do something like that. But Boreal assumes here that he knew he was going to be away for a long time. See, they're all jumping to the right conclusion. But he hasn't crossed in a long time. I don't like that hacker. I don't like Boreal.
Esther didn't get enough lines this season. She had the one episode. She gets a little more in season two. They're getting ready for their funeral pyre here. The other thing about this is not so much about losing Billy for Lyra, although I'm sure, you know, she feels terrible. But now she's thinking what's happened to Roger also. And plus, Makost has been... Yeah, now we know what terrible wit and wickedness these people are capable of. But, you know, uh, Makost has become family for her, so if Makost has lost Billy, then she's terrible. But I, I, it has to be, for Lyra, it's also got to be about her fear about what might happen to Roger. Which, of course, something kind of worse happens to Roger. Spoiler alert. We are re-watching this, after all, with Season 2 Knowledge. Now we get to the singing here. The lyrics, Dear Son... Your soul never leaves you. Um, And yet that's exactly what the magisterium, the people of God, are doing there. Oh, it shot a pan. Weird to see computer creatures emote, but it worked. I love that music under there. I never really identified it as a as a 
real theme. It's almost kind of like it's evolved into just some kind of spooky stuff as opposed to being really character-oriented. Uh-oh. Who are these people? Gobblers. Well, bad people, nonetheless. Man, that's a demon, right? Ah, there's a disappearing demon. Been a while since we'd seen one, but... Pan hears it. Think about how cool it would be to just have a part of you, outside of you, that could warn you about other things. But of course, you know, what's Lyra going to do? She's going to go out and investigate, which is what you would hope that your other side would encourage you not to do. Actually, Pan does encourage her not to do things often. And that's how the episode... No, it doesn't. I thought that was how the episode ended. Okay, still stuff going on here. Oh, we're at Ballvanger now. Speaking in Finnish, which I don't know how to interpret well there's the doctor we'll see more of her well that was from Lyra's point of view Smart of her not to give him her name.
So they didn't think she was old enough for their experiment. Or young enough for her experiment, I guess. I guess they thought she was too old. Sister Clara. She almost acts like she's been separated. And then you have Mrs. Coulter who can extensively separate from her golden monkey. And pans him off. This music's just incidental. Here, Lizzie, here's your own spacesuit. Yeah, because it's like the one Billy was wearing. Now she knows what's going to happen. And there's the end. Yes, there's the end. All right, folks, let me know what you thought of that episode. Don't forget your three-word descriptions of this particular episode. That's very important. Why? Because it enters you into a contest to win a Funko Pop, a Lord Azrael, or maybe a Mrs. Coulter, or uh, maybe a Lee Scoresby. So, the only way you can do that is by tweeting me, at the Dust Podcast, your three words, or by submitting them by email. That's dustpodcast at gmail.com. Or you can call 314-269-0421, give me a name so that I know who, how to identify you as a winner, and leave your three words via that way. 314-269-0421. And we'll be back next week with the next episode, which is The Demon Cages. Talk to you later. Tweet the podcast at the Dust Podcast. Send emails to dustpodcast at gmail.com or call 314-269-0421. Please subscribe, rate, and review wherever you get your podcasts. of Double P Media, doublepmedia.com.